And people don't do without, well without Christ. And the question I have for you this morning is, what do you do when trouble comes your way? What do you do? Take your Bibles, if you would. Have you got your iPad, Bibles, whatever you're using now? In uh, Psalm 119. Psalm 119, beautiful. Beautiful psalm about the Word of God. It says in verse 28, My soul melted for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. Has your soul ever melted for heaviness? If you're young, you're probably going to say, No, I've never had anybody close to me die. I've never had anybody close to me get real sick for a prolonged period of time. I've never had a mother have seven years of dementia and die. I've never had a dad die of cancer. I've never had a brother die from sudden heart attack or a father drop over at 48 years old. Those are all things that actually happen. Just a little bit of them. Sometimes your heart melteth because of heaviness. It's been said this world is a veil of tears. I don't know who said it. In fact, I'm to the place in life, I don't know who said what. I just know if it's in the Bible, I believe it. I know it's true. Having studied the Bible now around 50 years, over 50 years, I'm more convinced today, I stand before you this this morning, more convinced that the Bible's the very word of God than I did when I started. I started absolute faith, believing, began to read it, began to pursue God. Began to, I thought, if, if whatever I end up being in life, I figured I could learn the Bible. I mean, I may not be really good at it, but I can learn it. I can read it. I mean, I can have somebody read it to me. Alexander Scorby read the Bible in 1953, and it's been available since 1953, so you can get it. It used to be on cassettes. Remember those? Yeah, then it, then it went to those little discs, uh, bigger discs, or bigger discs, littler discs, five and a half, three and a half, or whatever it was, and then it went to stick, and now it's just downloaded to your computer if you want it. You go to Alex, you get a, you go, I think it's scorby.com, spelled S-C-O-U-R-B-Y, scorby.com. For $20, you get the Bible read to you, and the best, he's the best reader, he was a, if you were around in the 50s and 60s and watched TV, he would have narrated many of those major programs, history, history programs, nature programs. He was the narrator of the time, the 50s and 60s. Phenomenal voice, phenomenal pronunciation, very articulate, good guy. In fact, when I go to heaven, I'm expecting to hear his voice. <laughs> it won't happen, but what do you do? What do you do when trouble comes your way? Well, I'm going to give you some possible reasons and some directions on what to do when heaviness comes your way. This is not a sad sermon. This is going to be a good sermon. Increase your faith. Help you out. Because if you're young, it's coming. If you're old, it's been. If you're in the middle, it's coming and been. You're either coming out of trouble or going into trouble. That's kind of describing life one way or another. How are you going to work with it? Well, I believe you ought to know the Bible. The Bible 
has the answer for anything you run across in this life. It has an answer. If it doesn't have the specific answer, like people say, well, smoking's not in the Bible. Yeah, but destroying the temple of the Holy Ghost is. And we know now, we, we know we're real well that smoking cigarettes on a regular basis will destroy your lungs. You get lung cancer, COPD, whatever they call it. And uh, you get, this is bad health for you. And so the Bible says, don't do something to destroy the temple of the Holy Ghost, you born-again believers. So if it's not specified individually, it is in principle talked about. So it'll help you. The Bible's got the answer for your troubles. And when you're in trouble, you want to go to the Bible. Some reasons for knowing the Bible, because it's the greatest book ever written. If you have any kind of literary presence in your life, and you haven't read the Bible, you're not well-read. No book has ever been printed like the Bible, not even close. No book is even, no holy book of any religion has been printed close to the amount of the Bible. It outsells all other books. It, is more, it has more archaeological evidence and more historical evidence than any ancient writing, period. And the, the old ancient writings don't even come close to the Bible. Yet, so few people spend much time or even any time reading it. It's amazing to me. I have made it a goal in the years I've been pastor here to try to encourage people to read their Bible through. So December is our month where we begin to sign up for the next year. Many of you have already finished your Bible. Some of you signed up, didn't get it finished, but you got half of it finished. You got a third of it finished. You did something. Had you not signed up for that list back there, you may not have gotten anything read. And I'll tell you one thing you got is I prayed for you individually. For every week I was here in town, and that may, that's probably about 48 weeks a year, I prayed for you individually as I go through that list, as whatever the Holy Spirit leads me to pray for you. And it's different for people as I go through the list. So I hope you sign up for next year, 2024, read the Bible through, give it a shot. Somebody came out to me today and said, oh, preacher, we get to go to the party. I didn't know the party was that important. <laughs> we have a Bible reading party, which is what, if you finish the Bible last, in 2023, you get to come to a, I believe Nick, gonna, maybe I'm right here on a spot, let's cut a deal. Nick, If Nick cooks, more people show up, no doubt about it. But they said ribs or something. I didn't know you did ribs, but whatever Nick decides he wants to cook, if he's willing to do it and able to do it, we're going to have a party for those who are going to celebrate a time uh, just fellowshipping and eating, it's real simple, because you read the Bible through. Because it's a feat. You know why I know that? The devil himself is against you. If you don't believe it, just start, just, just sign up on the list and see what happens. That's why I pray for you, because I know you're coming under all kinds of resistance when you decide you're going to read the Bible. I appreciate my wife. I say I'm married to an angel. An angel means messenger. And she is a messenger from God to me. She, from 18 years old on, took it on. She was a new Christian, got saved while I dated her. I was missionary dating. You missionary people out there? I was one of the few successful missionary dating situations. But she got saved and began to read the Bible. And she's read the Bible through year after year after year and encourages my soul watching her read the Bible through. She doesn't realize how it's a silent sentinel. It's a witness that encourages me. 
You wives want to save your marriage? One of the best ways I know is to read the Bible. It'll tell you how to be a good woman and tell you how to handle your bad husband. I saw a Gallup poll conducted some years ago. It said that 60% of Americans did not know the whole, what the Holy Trinity meant. 66% couldn't say who delivered the Sermon on the Mount. 79% were unable to name a single Old Testament prophet. Do you want to know why the college campuses are believing what they're believing? Do you want to know why these crazy movements are gaining ground with the young people? I'm, I'm telling you why. When people are questioned about the Bible on radio or television, it's remarkable to me, and I've seen it on these game shows, how disconcerting it is to see their lack of knowledge on the subject. They may know every kind of trivia that, that is just useless trivia, but you tell them who Moses is, and they don't have everybody's quiet. Nobody answers the question. Some are almost confused, like the little boy who wrote on his test paper, the epistles were the wives of the apostles. <laughs> now, if you're not confused about that, he thought Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife. <laughs> Yet false religions around the world seek to inundate their people in their holy writings. Many believers remain weak because they fail to store up in their minds helpful passages from the Word of God. It's just that simple. Apparently, they not realize that there's, come, there's coming down the road times of stress, sorrow, temptation, that the Holy Spirit can bring portions in the remembrance and comfort and warn and direct you because you have hidden the Word of God in your heart. The followers of pagan religions are often required to saturate their minds in, these, in their sacred writings. In the one Mohammedan mosque, it is said that you cannot teach in this mosque unless you have memorized the entire Quran. One missionary tells that 21 hours she heard a group of Buddhist priests quoting their devotional literature from memory, seldom ever making a mistake. 21 hours of memory. Michael Billister once gave a Bible to a humble villager in eastern Poland. We have our Polish friends here today. Eastern Poland. We have some folks from Poland. Gave a Bible to some folks there. Just one, gave one Bible to a humble villager in eastern Poland. Returning a few years later, there were some 200 people had become believers through using it. When the group gathered to hear him preach, he suggested uh, that each person may quote a verse of Scripture. One of the folks came to him and says, Brother, we may have misunderstood you. Do you mean you want a verse or do you want us to quote chapters? Billister was astounding, astounded and astonished. Are you saying these people could recite complete chapters of the Bible? Oh, they did better than that. Thirteen of them knew half of the book of Genesis and the, books of, the whole books of Matthew and Luke. Combined, 200, the 200 virtually had memorized the Bible in pieces, everybody doing a different piece. It's, the Bible's not only the greatest book ever written, but it is what Jesus said they would need later. If you take your Bible, if you want to look at this, John 14, 26, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, shall teach you all things 
and bring all things to your remembrance. That's the key. Whatsoever I have said unto you. Now, some of us don't have good memories. I've never had a real good memory. I always have to work real hard with my memory, go over it constantly, still make mistakes on top of that. Brother Knott and I are alike. I only kid Brother Knott because he's a mature believer. Right, brother? I only kid mature believers. Otherwise, if, I did, if you weren't mature, you'd quit and walk out, right? So I only kid mature believers. So if I kid you, it's a high compliment that I think you're mature enough to accept it. I'm not always right about that, but I try to be. <laughs> I don't believe a Christian can successfully survive in this life without a remembrance of the Word of God. I sat down my computer, my study at home, and I thought, oh, what, how do I use the Bible? So I, I got a list here, a pretty long list of what, how I use the Bible. When I get discouraged, I think of King David, how he encouraged himself in the Lord in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, and David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. That was at Ziklag with the Malachites. Sometimes don't get on the phone. Don't get on Facebook. Go to God. Encourage yourself in the Lord. How do you do that? Start singing the songs of Zion. That's one way to do it. Take the Bible songs of Zion. Begin to sing them again. Begin to quote scripture to yourself. There's many times when distress, and I've been... You say, have you ever been discouraged, preacher? Has it rained last year? You get discouraged once in a while. We're, we're symbiotic creatures. Now, I don't get discouraged a lot. I'm, I'm not that temperament, but some people have more of a temperament to be discouraged than others. But we are symbiotic at, at our best. We come and go, and we have, we have a flow. And, and there's just, if you're going to have a high time, you're probably going to have some sort of a low time. We had this man up conference with Harold Vaughn recently. And it was a high for the 84 men who attended. But expect a time of low coming down the road. The devil's not going to leave you alone. He's not going to have a little bit of low time. But just encourage yourself. Lord, I go to the Bible when I get discouraged. When I start feeling sorry for myself. And believe maybe I'm a victim rather than a victor. I think of Joseph and how he overcame in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. But as for you, you thought evil against me, he told his brothers, but God meant it, un, meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day and to save much people alive. I like that. If I could begin to get sorry for myself, nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I think I'll just eat worms. I think, wait a minute, wait a minute. This bad thing has happened to me. They met, the people who did it to me may have, may have tried to hurt me with it, but God's going to build me with it. God's going to help me. I go to the Bible. When I get depressed, I, go, <laughs> I think of Elijah, 1 Kings 19.4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a juniper tree and requested for himself that he might die. Now that's down. Okay, that's down. He's at the bottom. His back's against the wall. And he said, is, is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my sin, for I am not better than my father's. What God do? He came to him in a still, small voice. And sometimes when you get depressed, 
If you'll be quiet enough, if you'll go to the Word of God enough, you'll hear the still small voice of the Holy Spirit of God encourage you and strengthen you and tell you there's more, more life is ahead of you. Keep on keeping on. When I get angry, oh, does Pastor Bill ever get angry? When I get angry, I want to take action on someone for doing me wrong. I think of Peter cutting, cutting off Malchus's ear when they came to get Jesus. In John 18, 11, Jesus said unto Peter, Put up thy sword under the end of the sheet. The cup which thy father hath given me shall, I, shall not I, I not drink of it. And when, when I want to get angry and, some, and somebody, for whatever the reason, I think, wait a minute, wait a minute. I go to the Bible and say, the anger of men does not work the righteousness of God. There's so many places you can go to to talk about anger in the Bible to help you out. But that's one place I go to. I think of Peter. He struggled with anger. He wanted to, boom, as soon as they came for Jesus, cut the guy's ear off. And by the way, Jesus healed and undid what he did. When I get selfish, and want to put myself first. I think of the little boy who gave the few fish and to Jesus to help feed the 5,000. In John chapter 6, verse 9, there was this lad there which had five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? He gave up his lunch. Now, to get a small kid to give his lunch up, that's right on the miracle, right on the edge of being a miracle there. But I want you to notice something. He could count the fish, Right? There were, there were five barley loaves and two small fish. And as long as he kept that, he could count them. There were five loaves and two small. But as soon as he gave them to Jesus, they multiplied where he couldn't even count it. They took up 12 basketfuls. They didn't tell you how, much, how many of those pieces of fish were in there. You give it to God, God will multiply it for you. Quit being selfish. Give of yourself so God can take your life what you give him and multiply it. When I get lustful, my eyes want to look on sinfully on a woman. I think of David and what it cost him for one night's forbidden pleasure. Second Samuel eleven twelve said, and the woman he looked on was very beautiful to look upon. And men, when, when, when that happens to you, think of David. It is not worth it. How many times do you think David thought that? When, when, when the curse came on his family, and, and his, his, his children, violence was, was inculcated in his family and, and they began to kill each other and, and other things, the sins they did to each other. And the Bible says it wasn't going to leave his family because he had shamed God publicly, being a sweet psalmist of Israel. When I think of that, it's not worth it. There's no pleasure that the devil wants to run by you that's worth the cost. It's not worth it. I go to the Bible. Common sense, right? Just go to the Bible. When I want to worry about possibly some tragedy coming or end of the world, man, if you don't believe the end of the world's coming, just get on the internet. I mean, they got every kind of catastrophic story imaginable that our money's going to be shot, the economy's going to collapse, the government's going to turn over, uh, they're going to nuke us, there's going to be an asteroid come down and hit the earth. Uh, we're Oh, Climate change, another myth. That we're going to flood. Ten years ago, my, my cousin called me. He's a big climate change guy. And he called me and he said, Bill, in ten years, Florida's going to be underwater. I, my wife just reminded me the other day, it's been ten years, call him.
I don't have vengeful in here, but anyways. <laughs> I think of Job when I begin to worry. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm not going to worry about it. Into thy hands commend I my spirit. I think of what Jesus said when he died. A lot of times I'll go to bed and the wor- things of the world, you know, want to trouble me. Some of you young people, you may be troubled like that. I know I am. I say, I say Lord Jesus, into thy hands commend I my spirit. And I just have peace come over me. And I'm able to lay my head on my pillow and go to sleep like a rock, but I don't hear nothing. I don't hear good anyway. You know the nice thing about not hearing? When I feel lonely or isolated, almost like an alien in this world, and lately I've been feeling more of an alien, cut off possibly from God's power, surrounded by the enemy, I think of Elisha. One of my favorite stories of all the Bible, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. When Elisha, you know, had been been hurting his enemies, uh, and so they came to get him. And he was in the city of Dothan, a little city, with his with, a, with one of his uh, students there with him. And let me read in verse 15. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, the host encompassed the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? Translated, we're done for. And I like what he said, and Elisha, man, this was one of my favorite sayings. He answered and said, fear not, for they that are with us are more than they with them. I can't tell you how many times I put that to practice. You know, the enemy seems to come in like a flood. You say, what in the world are we going to do? And I got thinking, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. The angels of the Lord campeth round about them that fear him. Is that true? The Bible says it. It's true. How many times I've gone to the hospital with people sick, going through some life-threatening things, scary things. Hey, it's scary to go to the hospital. And I've gone in there with them to try to give them some comfort and said, the angels of the Lord are camped around about you, brother. The angels of God are camped around about you. You're being, you're, you're born again. Now, I'm talking about born again believers. See, if you're here without Christ your Savior, you need him. Oh, you need all this stuff I'm talking about, but you don't have it until you get your sin taken care of at the cross. When I feel persecuted, I just seem to be giving up too much for Jesus. I think about the three Hebrew men who stood for God all the way to the furnace. I like what they said in Daniel chapter 3, verse 17. He said, if you don't bow down and worship this idol, he said, I'm going to cast you into this fiery furnace, make that furnace seven times hotter than normal. He took the strongest guys in his army, and he bound them. Here's what they said, these three Hebrew boys. It says, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us, he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But I like what they said. But if not, it's so important to remember that. You don't dictate what God's going to do. You don't dictate God. You don't tell God what he's going to do. These Hebrew boys knew God, and they believe he's able to pull us out of that fiery furnace. Now, have you ever seen any, anybody, any person, anything put in, a, put in a fire like that to come out of it? I haven't. No, they had not either. Nobody had. Nobody even had heard of that. And these boys got enough confidence. God say, he's able to pull us out of that fire, okay. But if not, 
Be it known to thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods and worship the golden image which thou hast set up. When I feel a little persecuted and I feel trouble coming, squeezing me, I go to there and I say, well, God, if you're able to deliver me, but if you don't, I'm still going to trust you. Still going to trust you. And you know the story. Of course, they were pulled out of the fire. They walked out of the fire. didn't even have the smell of smoke on them. That's the God we serve. Say amen. That's the God we serve, folks. We serve a God who can do anything by the grace of God. When I, I hate to, I'm confessing my sins to you this morning. You seem so attentive. When I want to hold grudges on someone for hurting me or unjustly damaging me, I think of our Lord's prayer to his disciples. Forgive me my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. I forgive them. You know, that's the best marriage counseling I could give to you this morning. You want to be married for a long time, you got to forgive each other. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't mean forgive and punish. Oh, you know that's the way it is. I'll forgive you, but I'm gonna, you're, it's going to cost you. It's forgive, you can't forget. I don't say forgive and forget because God won't let you forget. But it's forgive and let it go. As one famous man said, get over it. Get over it. Just get over it. Just let it go. Walk away from it. Don't let it keep you up. Don't don't let it harass you. And let me tell you, I, I got to say this illustration. It's not in the message, but I'm going to do it. I've been counseling troubled marriages. And this one troubled marriage I was counseling, uh, it seemed like it just was going nowhere. The woman had so much built up animosity for the man that she was just not going to let anything go. She didn't want anything to do with that man anymore, and it was over. And one day they, they uh, met together, and, and they, had a, they had a pet dog. Well, what do you do when you get a divorce? Divide the dog in half. <laughs> and so this dog, she got out of her vehicle, and the dog ran up to her, and she hugged that dog with a sense of love kissed on that dog let him lick her face which I never have been able to get into that let him lick her face and you know just loved on that dog you could tell there was nothing between her and that dog and I thought if you would love your husband like you love that dog you would save your marriage it's that simple you save your marriage well let me ask you a question why did she love that dog and hate her husband? She wouldn't let it go. She wouldn't forgive him. That dog had not, if he had done her wrong, she'd let it go. You know, dogs do that. You know, they poop in the house. Oh, well. They lift their leg on something you appreciate. Oh, well. Dogs do that. And why don't you women say, oh, men do that. He leaves his clothes laying around the house. Ah, men do that. (laughs) 
Think about it. Think about it. The Bible's got the answer. When I want to judge harshly, and God forbid, by the, by the degree which we judge, we shall be judged. So if I can go easy on you, I want to go easy on you. When I want to judge harshly and get in the flesh and think of the woman caught in adultery, John 8. Eventually it comes down to a place, he says to her, where are your accusers? Does any man accuse you? No man. Here's the words of Jesus. Neither do I. The only person in that group that would have honestly and justly could have condemned her was Jesus. And he decided not to do it. And he said, he that is without sin, you pick up your first stone and throw on her. Now, the Bible said they left from the oldest to the youngest because the oldest got a lot more, a lot more history. The oldest to the youngest, and they all left. No man was there to condemn her. So when I want to judge people harshly and overjudge, that's a problem. It's a problem overjudging people. Once in a while we underjudge, but it's more rare than overjudging. Most of the time we're too hard, not hard, and you know, not being hard enough is not our normal, normal method, trouble. I think the adulterous woman, that's the Bible. When I want to quit, have you ever wanted to quit? I've learned if you want to quit, shut up. Don't say a word, don't tell anybody. You just want to give up. I think of Paul the Apostle in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24, 28, all that list that he has there of what he endured for the things of God, and I kick myself and beat myself and slap myself and say, what is wrong with you, Bill? That man did all of that for the cause of Christ, and you're whining, sucking your thumb because you had this little person bother you, or they didn't say good things about you, or they told, they told you you were the worst preacher they'd ever heard, or some hard thing like that. You want to quit because nobody likes you? When I want to run because things are pushing hard on me, and there seems to be no way out, I think of the children of Israel standing with their backs against the Red Sea, and the Egyptians marching down upon them to take them back to Egypt. And I like what Moses said in Exodus chapter 14, 13. It says, Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. When, I want to want, when you want to run, don't. Stay put and watch God do something. Watch him do something. We run. It's been said we get off our knees and quit praying just before God delivers us. I have a question for you. If trouble comes your way, or when trouble comes your way, what do you do? What do you do? Where does your mind go? Does it go to some writing of a man who died like you? You call up friends on the phone who struggle with the same stuff you struggle with? Do you text, go to Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram? Am I getting that right, boys, back there? These young guys, they got... I don't, I'm not on any of that stuff. Facebook's the only thing I'm on, and I'm rarely on that. 
but all these other new nifty things people get together and chat with each other on, your friends don't have the solution. They really don't. But the Bible does. The Bible does. Or do you go to the Word of God forever settled in heaven? That's what it says in Psalm 119.89. The Word of God is forever settled in heaven. I go to that and say, that, this has got the cure for me. Get into the book this year. This is what I want to try to get to, I suppose. Get into the Bible this year. Preacher, either listen to it or read it. Do the whole thing from cover to cover. Somebody told me they found a book of one of their old relatives and written in the book. It said, the guy's long dead. I read every word of this book. I like that. I like that. I think I may do that right in there. I've read every word of this. Can you say with me this morning? I'm not going to ask you to hold your hand up. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to talk to you. Have you read every word in his book in 2023? Get your mind saturated with the stories and truths of the Bible. And when you come to time of trouble, and you come against your back against the wall, you'll be able to say, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against God. Will you? Join the happy throng. Next year, be able to come to the Nick Carbon Bible reading party and say, I read every word in the Bible. It will not be a waste of time for you. It will help you in times of trouble. Now, this is a, now 80-year-olds don't consider me old, but you 20-year-olds, you definitely consider me old. So I can say to you, from an old man to a young man, trust me, read the Bible. It'll be the best thing you ever did. Lord Jesus, we pray today that you'd come. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.